everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Rose, and alongside me virtually is Antoinette Phelps, who previously cheered for Notre Dame Prep High School and Michigan State University. Um, Antoinette, we're going to have an interview later during the show, and I'm a little nervous because every other time we've had an interview, something has happened with you along the lines of a headache or feeling <laughs> nauseous. So how are you feeling today heading into this interview? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, I feel good. <laughs> you feel good? Okay, no, no weird ailments today. Yeah, we're good to go today. <laughs> All right. I just wasn't sure if I was your bad luck charm or no. what was going on, but um, I'm glad to hear that. It seems like on Instagram, since you know we're following each other now, you were able to fill up on some donuts. And I laughed. This is this is so random to everyone listening, but I was just laughing so hard because you have two young boys, and your caption on the photo was you wanted to take a cute picture before they got into it, but there's little bite marks in some of them and it's, just, yeah. uh, it's in a disarray. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously, trying to get food away from boys, it's just, I have to fight for my own donut. Um, but yeah, they definitely got into the box and started in on it before I even made my way downstairs this morning. So, <laughs> Right. Maybe we can have an episode later on about, uh, you know, how cheerleading has prepared you for motherhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, <laughs> today, um, we're both super excited to have on our guest. Her name is Stephanie Beck. She owns two all-star gyms in Ohio, one's near Columbus. Columbus and one is near Cleveland. They're called Step One All-Stars. And this is really exciting for us because we have been focusing on high school cheerleading, primarily Michigan high school cheer. And we've heard that it's completely different. It's a whole different world. So Antoinette, as a former cheerleader, what are you most looking forward to, to asking Stephanie about? Yeah, so to be honest, I really don't know that much about all-star cheerleading at all. That was not something that I did in my cheerleading journey. So I, I'm definitely interested in hearing how it's different, the same as high school cheerleading. I will say when I coached in Illinois, our format is definitely more like college cheerleading or all-star cheerleading with like the dance and the cheer and the music and all of that, not the three rounds the way Michigan does it. So I have some experience with it, but it's definitely not the same as All-Star. So just any basic information she can give about what is All-Star cheerleading would be awesome to hear about. Absolutely. And adding on to her resume, she did cheer at GTC All-Star Rockets and also at Rochester Adams here in Michigan. So that'll be really neat getting her perspective from Michigan cheer because that in itself is so unique compared to the rest of the nation. And of course, along with how different that is compared to All-Star. So let's get into it. Perfect. Ready, Set, Cheer is presented by Lawrence Technological University. In fact, LTU is forming its competitive cheer and dance team for the first time in school history. Academic and athletic scholarships are available. Lawrence Tech wants you to recruit yourself. Just go to ltuathletics.com and click on the Recruit Yourself link. Ready, Set, Cheer is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. And by Detroit Medical Center Sports Medicine and Physical Therapy team. The DMC's Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan is the only freestanding rehabilitation hospital in Southeast Michigan solely dedicated to physical medicine and rehabilitation, providing hope and healing to patients for over 65 years. A new partner to join State Champs Network is EA Graphics. As the exclusive provider of the MHSAA championship merchandise, EA Graphics has raised the level to commemorate and celebrate your distinguished season. You can order 
all of the championship gear for the recent state finals for golf, tennis, cross country, and soccer. To order all of your fall sports championship apparel, go to shopmhsaa.com. There will be new designs for the upcoming football, volleyball, and swimming slash diving championships after this month. Check out shopmhsaa.com for more details. And before we get started, one last announcement. Applications are being accepted online all month long for this year's Michigan High School Male and Female Athlete of the Year Awards. $1,000 in scholarship money will be given to six male and six female nominees. To apply, you need to have been a first-team all-state athlete or projected to be one this winter or spring. You need an overall GPA of 3.0, and you need to have exhibited some school leadership or had some community volunteer activity. The winners will receive an additional $5,000 in scholarship money, and all nominees will attend a red carpet gala in downtown Detroit in May. To apply, go to DACAthleteoftheyear.com or click on the banner on our homepage at statechampsnetwork.com. You cannot be nominated if you do not apply. This application deadline is February 1st. We have Stephanie back joining us for the podcast, and we are going to get started. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We're really excited to hear your perspective on cheerleading. So let's get started right away. The first question that we want to ask that everyone's really interested in is, what is all-star cheerleading? So can you explain a little bit about maybe how it's different and the same as high school cheerleading or kind of your perspective of what people would see if they were watching all-star cheerleading? Oh, absolutely. So um, what we do is very competitive. The difference between generally between school cheerleading and all-star cheerleading is that, A, at your school, you're made up of just the people that go to that school, where in our programs, we are private gyms that people can come from as far away as they want. In some cases in our sport, people actually move different states to be a part of different programs. So that's the, the biggest difference as far as the pool of athletes that you have, but more so is we don't have any teams that we cheer for. So we are literally just competitive and cheering for ourselves. We incorporate stunts, tumbling, dance. You know, a lot of people, we, we laugh a little bit and call of it, call it a little bit more acrobatic. Uh, Cirque du Soleil is sometimes easier to explain to the general public. That's cool. Yeah, I could see that because there's with all the stunting and the tumbling and music too, correct? Correct. Yes. We don't actually physically stop music and do a cheer for anything. Most of our music is custom made. It's made to the routine so that it's sound affected to when they say do a toe touch and they jump, there'll be a sound effect that goes along with that. When they do a stunt, there'll be music behind it that maybe is a little bit more either high energy or inspiring. And then additions of different background noises and sound effects so that it enhanced the whole performance and makes it uh, a little bit theatrical to some extent. Okay, that's interesting. So in Michigan, and we've been talking with some Michigan high school cheerleading coaches, and you know this because you also cheered in high school at Rochester Adams, that there's the three rounds. And so all-star cheerleading doesn't have three rounds. It's one, one performance. It is one performance, two and a half minutes from start to finish. And in, there are different divisions. We have lots of different divisions. So I guess I should be clear that there are some 
very few but very specific divisions that are geared to the global community and they have cheering in it, but there's no round system. It's still just the beginning of your performance starts and two and a half minutes later it ends. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So that is, yeah, that's different than high school cheerleading. And then as far as, so you're down in Ohio, but I know you cheered in Michigan. Is it different than high school cheerleading in Ohio as well? You know, yes, I would say that Michigan cheerleading is its very unique brand of how it, how you guys function up there. And I, I remember it pretty clearly from when I was in high school, and I don't know that it's changed that much. I'm sure there's a lot of different rules, so I don't want to pretend to be anybody's expert on that. But um, in Ohio, we're actually kind of unique because very few teams here in our school system are allowed to build. So we are actually, for the most part, a non-mount, ground-bound school cheer program. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Stephanie, I wanted to ask, you were talking about how that performance is two and a half minutes. Comparing that to high school, what goes into your timeline for All-Star and the preparation to prepare for that routine? Well, I think what's a little different, especially speaking specifically to Michigan cheerleading, is that we, our team, because it's not broken up into rounds, we have the same set of kids that have to do each section. And maybe one of them is stronger at building and one is stronger at tumbling or vice versa or whatever their specific role is on the team. Our, our training is very cardio and skill-based because we have a large array of the kids that are on the team. Where when you're on a round system, you can maybe pick that this round is very heavily tumbling. So this tumble, one of these athletes is going to take the floor because there are strong tumblers, but maybe they're not necessarily a strong stunter. So they may not take the floor for the stunt round. And so for us, it is, we have to figure out how to form the strongest, well-rounded team and then be able to get them in two and a half minutes to incorporate everything all in one. That sounds very intricate and there's different athletes who bring different skill sets. So when you look at your average week when you're preparing for one of these routines, how many hours are these girls putting in? Well, it really depends because we are a 12-month program. So that's a little bit different than any kind of school function because obviously sports are broken up into season with the schools. We're a 12-month program. So we technically overall probably spend more time in the gym. But in our off time, we're usually in here two days a week for probably about two hours each time we're in here. Right now, currently, we're getting into our hopefully, and I, I say hopefully, Um, because of obvious COVID restrictions, um, getting into our competition season. So we are in the gym three times a week, and sometimes our practices will be three hours. Um, And then they're also in here additionally for a tumble class to make sure that they're keeping up with their tumbling skills. So it can go as little as four hours in a week to sometimes as much as nine or 10 hours in a week that they're in here. In previous episodes, we've talked about the different COVID restrictions within Michigan high school cheerleading. What's going on with your guys' COVID restrictions in the gyms? So we have, you know, every day it's a new, it's a new adventure, but we are following a very strict protocol within our personal gym. Everybody gets to kind of make their own 
decision as to how they want to run their gym, with the exception of it is mandated in Ohio. We have a mask mandate for the entire state. So every one of our employees has to be masked and we have every one of our athletes masked. So we had to start um, training them with masks on slowly so that we, they could get used to it so that we weren't over overwhelming their bodies, having masks on and trying to do cardio. We work a little bit slower, but you know, every one of our athletes, it's, it's pretty crazy. Our gym is, it's broken down now like a grid, six foot grid, where we have dots all around it, Velcro dots on our, our spring floors. So the athletes know where they have to stand. They have laminated spots where we put their stuff. Um, so instead of them being in a cubby or keeping their backpacks and whatever, they have very isolated spots that they have to keep all of their stuff so that when one team leaves, there is a break of 10 minutes. We clean down all of the laminated areas and the next team comes in. When they go in their front door, they're met with a temperature screening. They have to get hand sanitized. And we actually, because of the nature of us touching their shoes, and their feet, we have a bottom of the shoe solution that they walk through before they get into the gym. So we try to take care of it to make sure that we are, are doing our part to make sure our athletes get to keep staying in the gym and stay safe. Wow. That's awesome that you do that, Stephanie. That seems like a, a lot of extra work, but I know you're you know, wanting to keep everybody practicing and then of course trying to help contain the virus in your community. So that's awesome that you guys do all those precautions. Do you think you guys will have to use masks for competing like at the actual competitions this year? There are currently some, every, um, what we call event producers. So every company that is an event producer who hosts it has their own set of regulations that you can find um, for a majority of them. I believe that we have not actually physically taken the floor outside of our gym at this point, but we do have a franchise location up North who is about to take the floor this upcoming weekend and they will be masked. Some of the event producers, they most all of the event producers will require you in a mask when you are not competing. And I believe m- 50% to a majority of them allow for the option to take masks off whenever you're on a warm-up mat or on the competition floor. But due to our regulations inside of our gym and inside of our state, our kids are already used to the masks. So we're fairly certain we will actually take the floor with masks on just to make sure that we're as safe as we can. If, yeah. if a large event can happen, we feel like we can prevent our kids from having to quarantine from school or getting sick. Wow. That I just can't imagine trying to, tum- like tumbling was already so hard for me anyways. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to do it with a mask on. But, and I'm Neither been, can I. These I guys mean, are rock stars. That's what I was going to say. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And kids are so resilient. So I'm sure you're just like, yep, we're wearing masks. And they're like, okay, that's what we're doing now. You know, I think, I think it's because they know what the alternative is, right? They don't really want to be wearing the masks. We don't really want them to be wearing the masks, but they know what the alternative is. And Mm -hmm. that is that they can't do their team. And so for them, it's like, yeah, I can figure out how to do it because they, they just have a drive. I mean, to get, to do what our kids are doing, it takes so much strength mentally and physically to do it that just adding one more layer to it, they got used to it. And now it's just like, yeah, we got to wear our masks. It is what it is. Yeah, 
Exactly. Well, that's interesting. I mean, it sounds like, you know, the, the high school coaches that we talked to also have a lot of precautions as well. And it sounds like you guys are doing the same thing. So the high school, high schools are doing it. And now the private gyms are doing it as well. So just trying to get these, give these athletes a season, but also trying to do what's best for people around them as well. So cheers to you guys. That's great for doing all of that. Competitive cheer is always about good sportsmanship. It's a motto the MHSAA wants to reinforce across all sports. Listen to this. Sportsmanship has never been more important between the lines in athletics and outside those lines in our communities. To listen, to respect, to understand, to practice common decency, to have competition without contentiousness. Sportsmanlike qualities are essential components of life itself. Let's all work together to not only be good sports, but good people. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association promoting the value and values of educational athletics. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. We are joined by all-star gym owner, Stephanie Beck. So going back to competition, because you were talking about that a little bit, high school cheerleading does have a competition season, and that is a big part of cheerleading for them, but they are also expected to be ambassadors for the school, do some sideline cheer at football games, basketball games, perhaps. So what is the ultimate goal of all-star cheerleading? Is it because you guys don't have all of those other things, is it winning a competition? Is that the goal? You know, I think it really depends on, yes, yes, that is the goal. That's the, always the, the, the main goal, you know, you're, you're training to win the competition, but I really think in the long run, it is such a sport that builds character and it really trains you for so many avenues moving on in life. And one of the things that I very um, commonly discuss with our customers and their parents and, and people around us is we're unique in the sense that we're unlike a lot of the ball sports, your footballs, your basketballs, and, and obviously many more sports. We don't have an end professional league so to speak, that's there. So really, yes, it is to teach them all the values that come with being in a competitive sport, with working in a team environment, and then ultimately trying to gain that win, but also knowing that we may not get that win and teaching them the lesson of how to keep pushing for it. And I I think that those things are really ultimately, after doing this for so many years, that's really what we thrive off of at step one. Uh, That's sorry. That's my cheer gym's name is step one all-stars, but that's what we really thrive off of. But the ultimate goal obviously is you want to win because what's the point in teaching these things and these skills if the ultimate goal isn't to be the best at it. Right. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, because I was going to ask what step one refers to. So can you tell us what went into the name for your gyms? Absolutely. So back in 2002, it was opened up by two really great friends of mine and two what became very great friends of mine who were parents that believed in them. And when we came up, our our gym is called Step One All-Stars. And our colors are purple, red, and yellow. And our two, two of my great friends that started, one of them went to Ohio State. So that is the color red. And one of them went to the University of Central Arkansas, which is their colors are purple. So the red and the purple come from that. And the gold, it symbolizes that gold medal, right? That ultimate try to get it 
to the very top, the, the gold medal at the Olympics, what have you. And so when they came up with the colors, it was, well, what, how can we give a meaning to these colors? And they were like, well, if the ultimate goal is the gold medal, then what do we start at? And the answer was, it starts at step one and you move your way up. So our motto has always been, everything starts at step one. And, and then we take you to the top from there. I love that. It definitely does take one step at a time. It's always good to go back to the basics. And technically, when we look at cheerleading, there's no, you know, professional league. Some girls have gone to cheer for, you know, professional sports teams. But after high school or all-star cheer, what's the next step for a lot of these athletes? Well, there's a couple different options. And now even more so as the world evolves, there's, a, there's more options that are out there. Um, but I think that the, the general first step that I think a lot of these athletes look for is, can I cheer in college? And what college do I want to go to? There's a lot of very great college universities from junior college all the way to, you know, your division one universities that provide really great opportunities, awesome experiences for these athletes. So I think that that's one of them. Another route that some of our athletes have been going is there is a new sport that I don't believe has hit division one yet. I could be wrong, but has been a little bit in the lower division schools, but is a great program is the acro and tumbling program, which is a little bit more like the, a combination probably of the all-star and the Michigan round cheerleading, where you have the building, you have girls on the team that are just there to lift people up. You have girls that are just there to tumble and they have different rounds and are able to, to go that route. And then I think that there is some people that, look to a couple different routes, which are more entertainment based. You know, there's a lot of things that you can learn by having to have the confidence to get out and do what we do that has led to a lot of athletes in our sports being sportscasters, being, you know, actors, being involved in things that they're not so afraid to share their personality, where some people are a little bit more reserved we try to bring that out of them. So I think those are a lot of the different routes that they ultimately aim for. I feel like it definitely does take a special kind of personality to be in that sport. And of course, that does make sense when they go the entertainment route afterwards. And just looking at cheerleading in general, even your experiences, what does the sport mean to you and how has that shaped your life? You know, it's actually funny because it has entirely shaped my life. And I know a lot of people say that. But um, when I was in high school, I cheered um, for Rochester Adams High School, but I also cheered for an all-star team that at the time was called the GTC All-Star Rockets. And I fell in love with all-star in doing that. And one of my coaches who is very involved in Michigan cheerleading, she introduced me to a company called Cheerleaders of America, which was based out of Columbus, Ohio. And I write, I actually missed my last week of high school to go to my work week training session to be a camp instructor for them and travel the country teaching camps. And from there, I was introduced to the people that I now own Step One with, my best friends. And I ultimately transferred from Michigan State to Ohio State. I know that makes me like so not popular in Michigan. Um, <laughs> but I, I transferred down there and I have been living here ever since. And so 
it has the the love of the sport and the opportunities that have been available to me to make a career out of it um, have literally shaped my life entirely. So I am one of those people that can't just say like, that doesn't just say, I guess I should say, oh, it taught me how to speak in front of a crowd, which it did. It taught me confidence, which it did. But it literally, I wouldn't live with the, the people that I live with and be involved in the business that I'm involved with, have the circle of friends that I have and live the life that I have right now without cheerleading. Wow, I can't imagine the countless hours that you've put in the, your entire life just for every single aspect of the sport. And that's so awesome that that's literally molded the path that you're on now. Yeah, I don't really want to think about how many hours that really is. Um, <laughs> Because I feel like that might not make me happy about my decision. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I'm just kidding. Well, Stephanie, speaking of all of your hours at the gym, can you tell us a little bit about how you figure out choreography? This always blows my mind with all-star cheerleading because I know you have more than one team. So how do you do it? Like, are you the one doing it? Do you bring in people? Do the girls do it? And how do you do it for all of these different, you know, groups that you have? Right. So I do not necessarily have that skill set. So no, I do not do that. Um, I, I think every coach has the ability to tweak choreography and fix choreography, or, or I should say most great coaches. And I pride our gym on having great coaches here, have the ability to do that. But sometimes you like to have an outside eye. In our industry, there are actually people who make a full-time living being only travel choreographers. So they go from gym to gym to gym, and they take their outside eye, see what you have without having any bias of who can do what, you know, knowing Susie's mom or any of those those crazy things that people can say they look at what your athletes can do and then they form the routine off of that as an outside eye so we do outsource um initially and then inside our gym for our particular gym we have a couple of different people who are choreographers by trait also so once the outside people come in and create the masterpiece they work with it a little bit to make it better Gotcha. So Stephanie, how many teams do you have then? So we have, we have a combination of different sets of them. We have, I'm I'm trying to count right now. We have our little teenies that are our exhibition team that are like three and four year olds, which is if if you've never seen it, it's like the cutest thing you've Uh ever seen in your life. Right. And then we go all the way up to our open hip hop team, which is athletes that can be, there's no cap to how old they are. And, and so we have everything in between. And I believe this year we have a total of 11 teams at the gym between all of the different combinations that fall in between that. Oh my goodness. Now, is that pretty typical of an all-star gym? Like, would you find that in Michigan as well? Like maybe at um, Rockets? You know, it just, it really depends. There's uh, different divisions that we have. We have like division one, division two. Division two are gyms that have a smaller number of athletes that are in it and a smaller number of teams, but you can go all the way up to what we would call a mega gym. And these mega gyms have thousands of athletes that are in it. So you're talking about 20 to 30 teams inside one of their gyms. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's, it's a, it's a really booming industry that a lot of people don't know about. Right. So when you have all these different teams, so you're saying you have 11, how do they make, well, first of all, I, this may have, this might be an obvious question. Is it only girls or do you have girls? No, we, 
No, we're a co-ed program. We have girls and boys. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So how do these girls and boys then make the team? Does it, is it based on their age or is it based on their skill level? Uh, The answer is both to that. So they're broken down by, ultimately we have a tryout, a tryout session at the beginning of our season, which typically is in, is usually the end of May, potentially early June that we have our tryouts after we do our end of the season events, which happen at the beginning of the, excuse me, the end of April and the beginning of May. And then they come in and they do their skill set. So first they're broken down by what their level is. And so we, we have levels within our gym right now, we have levels one through six in our competitive cheer program. And so they're broken down by what their level is. And then they're broken down further by what their age is. And then they're broken down even further by, do I need a base? Do I need a back spot? Do I need a flyer? Do I need a a tumbler and all that? And then ultimately that puzzle, you take all of it, put it together and break it down into what the strongest possible teams are. Wow. Okay. But you wouldn't have like a three or four-year-old on with like 10 or 11-year-olds, right? Or no, no. There's in, in our industry, there's age brackets that you have to stick within. Okay. So like a three or four-year-old is really just like your exhibition team. They really okay. practice and compete in your, they don't really compete for us right. at least, you know. But so there's a minimum age for most things and a maximum age for most of the divisions. So for example, on our current, um, what we call our world's team, so our highest level cheer team that we have here at our gym, our youngest athlete on the team, I believe is third. She just turned 14. And then our oldest athlete on the team just turned 19. And that's, those are the two caps, right? So those are the ends. You're, you're 13, 14, and you're 18, 19 are the, okay. the caps on that. And then it breaks down as you go younger. Okay. That makes sense. With some age gaps like that in specific teams, how have you seen the leadership develop over time between the athletes? Well, I think for at least, again, every gym has their own philosophies that they follow. But for us, we try to keep a core group of kids together from when they come into our gym. If they are young kids, let's say they're five years old and there's a solid group of five-year-olds, five and six-year-olds that are really meshing well together, we try to keep them together as the years go on um, because naturally the leadership develops in that and they're comfortable with one another. And so when that pod, let's say, of kids moves up to the next one, they're they're met with the other pod. And so the leader of that older group kind of meshes together with them. Um, I think it's like in any sport that you find that sometimes your leaders are not necessarily your number one athletes. The, you know, I always say I wasn't always the most elite athlete, but I was the glue that kept my team together. And I think mm-hmm. if you, I think if you ask my coach, cause I have before, but if you ask my coach, she would have said, yeah, we wouldn't have been able to do it without you because of that role. And now as a coach myself and a, a program owner, I see that you can look and there may be an athlete that you're like, but we need that kid on this team because in the hard moment, when 12 months is a long period of time to go hard, you know, for anybody, let alone teenage athletes. So you need that person that's going to be able to lift them up. And, and we feel that that really comes, those natural leadership things come from the ground up as you start to see them. So in our universe, you can start to cultivate the leaders very young because you see in their groups, which ones stand out in that, 
that particular manner. Roles go beyond just talent on the floor. And something that's great about coaching is you get to develop those personal bonds and relationships with your athletes. With you having 11 different teams, is that hard for you to necessarily make those connections? Well, we have a large staff. I should make it very clear that I do not coach 11 teams. I only coach one of those teams. Now, I definitely have coaches that coach more than one team. Back in the day, I coached a lot more than I do now. A, I'm a lot older. And B, I've got more with the business end that I have to run. But we really go out of our way to do different things to ensure, especially with the updates in technology, to make sure that we're able to communicate and reach out to all of our, our athletes. In a perfect world, in a, in a perfect year, I'm known, this has been a very big challenge, and anybody that knows me knows this is true, I am like the hogger of the group. So like when people walk through the door, even if I'm not their coach, they're usually met with a, a hi by name, a hug, you know, and, and so this year has been challenging because I don't get to do that. You know, we, we're, we're not allowed to do those things. So for us, I think it is making sure that we utilize whatever opportunities we have. And a lot of that comes from travel. So even though we have 11 different teams, we travel together as groups. So I may be at a competition in Florida sitting at the pool, but I'm not only sitting at the pool with my particular team. The entire gym is sitting at that pool. So you're making relationships with the kids when they're going down the slide or playing in the water or, or just having conversations with them. So I think we're afforded that luxury because both inside and out of the gym, we get to do a little bit more socialization. That makes sense. So Stephanie, speaking of traveling, where do you travel for competition? How often do you travel for competition? And do all of the teams go? Or is it, you know, only certain competitions for certain like age levels? How does that work? So this is an interesting question this year, because I probably would have answered it differently um, another year. But typically, we do not necessarily all go to the same competitions a hundred percent we try to if if in a year we do somewhere between five to eight competitions depending on what the year is and and what the team is and and what have you if in that we want to make sure that if the number is eight we try to get anywhere from three to four that our entire gym goes to so everybody can feel a part of something but ultimately we base what our our athletes end goal is. So for example, we have different end of the year events. The the biggest one being the world championship. Now that is only for certain levels that we have within our program. And so there are different end of the season competitions that happen in Florida or in Virginia or in different places around the country. So depending on what that team's ultimate path is from the beginning of their season kind of shapes what their season looks like. Uh, We're very lucky in Columbus because we have typically have a lot of competitions that come to Columbus. So we don't have to travel very far, but we do within a year, depending on the team. For example, last year, we took our program to Atlanta. We took our program to Florida. We've taken them to Indianapolis, to Kentucky, um, up to Michigan sometimes, it really just to, to Chicago area we've gone, but they're, they're offered all over the country and you are open to go wherever your program sees fit. Um, sometimes we go down to Dallas, Texas. It's just whatever the route is for the year. So this year 
we are keeping our fingers crossed that we will be able to go to Florida and that it'll be open. But, you know, typically at this point, we would have already traveled to Kentucky or we would be traveling to Indianapolis or something. But with the current climate, we're trying to stick as close to home as we can. Before we continue, I talked about earlier in the show how you can recruit yourself to Lawrence Technological University. Here's more. If you're a high school athlete with the dream of playing college sports, Lawrence Technological University wants you to recruit yourself. LTU offers over two dozen varsity sports for men and women, along with several dozen world-class undergraduate programs. Athletic and academic scholarships are available in all sports, including its newest additions, competitive cheer and dance, eSports, women's hockey, and men's and women's track and field. Visit LTUathletics.com and recruit yourself. Lawrence Tech, where Blue Devils dare. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Cheer. Antoinette and I are currently interviewing Stephanie Beck, who owns two all-star cheer gyms in Ohio. Well, we're wishing the best for you guys. We hope that everything can fall into place. We know that last year was insanely crazy, so we're hoping you know, for better times here in 2021. But Stephanie, to cap off the interview, I, I do have a bit of a double-barreled question for you. Number one, what should young athletes who are inspired and want to join All-Star, what should their first step be? And number two, Antoinette and I are still learning about All-Star gyms and what you know, what everything entails. So is there anything that you would like to talk about that we may have missed when it came to asking you any questions? You know, when it comes to All-Star, I just think it is important to note the athleticism that goes on with it, as well as the outside camaraderie that comes because you're now talking about people that are coming from so many different places and walks of life and in the in the world that we we live in I think it's so important that people respect and understand different people and sometimes I think that that is limited when you're within a school because you're typically from the same area so I think that that's one of the things that I would definitely say is so important about what we do just because I think it gives a broader spectrum to our athletes as they move forward into becoming young adults and the adults of the future. But, you know, I I think you've touched on a lot of it. Going to your first part, what is the first step? I think the first step is finding an accredited competitive cheer gym or training area and just enrolling in some classes. And I, I think that it's really important for all sports, you know, I, I, I think the fundamental core strength and understanding of your body and how the physics of your body work are, could, are beneficial to so many different sports that even if competitive cheerleading, all-star cheerleading, school cheerleading, whatever it is, isn't necessarily the end game, it may be something that's great to get started in a class and figure out if this is something that can help you moving forward. So I would say that's probably the first step. And then odds are, if you walk into one of those places, sooner than later, the athlete will get roped in to being a part of the team. It's just the nature of the beast. Well, your gym is called, both your gyms are called Step One All-Star. So honestly, (laughs) you, Stephanie, you were one of the best people to talk to for this. So thank you for taking the time to come on to the Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. 
Another huge thank you to Stephanie back for taking the time to join us on the Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. Antoinette, I know you and I have had off-camera conversations, well, off-the-mic <laughs> conversations about how cool it would be to bring someone on who was a part of the All-Star Gym series. And I mean, it does seem a lot different from high school cheer, especially Michigan high school cheer to go into those competitions. Yeah, I I was definitely interested in hearing the similarities and the differences between high school cheer and all-star. And it sounds like they need to have the same level of athleticism and they have a lot of practices. They have that whole team camaraderie. That whole thing sounds the same and very much like high school. But then the difference, of course, is how they do competition. So competition and sideline. So high school cheerleaders will have if they choose to do sideline chair, cheering at basketball and football games, as well as then dealing with their own practices and their own competition. And then during competition season, of course, how the three rounds are completely different than all-star. And what did she say? Two minutes, two minutes and 15 seconds. I think two and a half minutes, two and a half minutes. So that, yeah, that's different than, than Michigan high school chair with the three rounds and not having music. So I knew that part about All-Star, but just having her explain it, the differences, and was just kind of interesting to hear that perspective. From what I'm gathering from the interview, doing All-Star sounds like it could apply a better transition from, you know, like high school level cheer to college cheer. So I wanted to ask you if you could go back in time to the days where you were a high school cheerleader, would you have tried to pursue all-star knowing what you know now? Yeah. So that's an interesting question because when I coached in Illinois, Illinois high school was actually much more like all-star. So I think I have mentioned this on a different podcast that it was, you know, a two and a half minute routine and music and tumbling and stunting. And so very different than the three rounds that we see in Michigan. Michigan State was obviously a little bit more that way as well. So I, I guess I had, I think if I did all-star, it would have made my transition from high school or all-star cheerleading to college easier because Michigan state cheerleading really wasn't like high school cheerleading that much at all. So I had to learn pretty quick. So in that aspect, I think it would have made it easier, but then I'm thinking back to high school and I loved being a high school cheerleader. I did love cheering on my school and you know, being that ambassador for the school. So I feel like I wouldn't want to have given that part up. And then I I don't know if I mentioned this on a different podcast, but I actually also coached at a middle school when I was in high school. So when I was a junior and senior in high school, I coached a fifth, sixth grade team and a seventh, eighth grade team at a middle school and they were competitive. So I'm not sure where I would have fit in all-star cheerleading between my own high school practices every single day a week, plus competitions on Saturdays or Sundays, and coaching a middle school, two different teams at a middle school, and their competition season. And then everything else you do in high school, hanging out with your friends, your boyfriend, your, you know, my grades still had to stay up high. So I'm not really sure where that would have stuck in. So for me, I probably made the right choice, but I could definitely see how all-star cheerleading is, is pretty amazing. 
Right. You were definitely a busy bee, and I think you still are <laughs> busy yeah. right now at home. But this actually leads perfectly into our next segment. So we finally have a question for our mailbag segment. This is so awesome. If you guys have any questions for Antoinette and I, whether it be about cheerleading or just even, you know, our personal lives, please just email us at readysetcheer at statechampsnetwork.com. So this question comes from Amanda in Michigan, and she's talking about how she enjoyed the podcast where you were we're talking about how you navigated your way from the white squad to the green squad. And at the end of each of those two years, you were able to be a captain. So what Amanda from Michigan wants to know is how do you become a captain? How do you fill those leadership roles? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. I'm glad I'm glad we were asked that. Here's my perspective. I don't think you have to be the best to be a captain. I think you need to have certain certain characteristics about yourself. So perhaps being a good leader, maybe you're someone, and Stephanie kind of alluded to this earlier in the podcast as well, uh, as far as talking about herself being the glue of keeping a team together. So being a leader, being able to keep your team together, being able to work with different personalities, being able to do what the coach wants, but also what the team wants, and kind of being that in-between person keeping everybody's spirits up, especially when times get rough. I mean, there's so many things that go into a captain. I think that you don't have to be the best, but you have to show that you're willing to work to be the best, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. That does make sense. And I think what's great about that advice is not only does it apply to cheerleading, but pretty much any sport or even, you know, when you look at school or your work, you have to be in those team situations. So really, doesn't matter what role you play, there are different characteristics and things that you can bring to the table with your special skill sets and your strengths that will ultimately improve the betterment of the entire team. Yeah, exactly. So I was a captain in middle school, then I was a captain in high school, then I was a captain in college. And, uh, you know, those things kind of helped shape me and mold me into the adult that I was becoming. So then when I went on to my personal life, I was the captain or team leader at, um, <laughs> when I was a teacher, a couple, quite a few years in a row for my small pod or my team of teachers. And so, yeah, I think it does just kind of have to do with your personality a little bit and then your, your willingness to bring people together. Right. And now you're a captain for Team Phelps, right? Yes. I'm the <laughs> captain of two small little boys who eat all my donuts. <laughs> uh, well, they're so adorable. They can have all the donuts that they want. But for all of you guys listening, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe and share. We'd love to hear from you guys from what you'd like to hear more on the show. And you can reach us at ReadySetCheer at statechampsnetwork.com. Thanks for listening.